Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian Pigeon Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What's up, y'all? What's up, what's up, what's up? How's it going, y'all? Welcome back to the Houseless Podcast. My name is Peter Agassi. I'm the host. Uh, Yo, thank you for tuning in. Every episode is edited and engineered by CJ Stewart. Today, we have a great guest. As always, we have awesome guests. I love uh, the programming uh, here on the show. And today, we welcome DeAnthony Parks, the incredible drummer, percussionist, producer, world traveling artist uh, DeAnthony Parks and I met up in Brooklyn while he was in town with John Cale performing the special anniversary shows at BAM very recently for Velvet Underground as well as John's 75th birthday and DeAnthony has been touring playing with John for years now in fact I didn't really realize that until we were uh, within the depths of our conversation uh, because I know him from a sort of different, totally different perspective. When I first came to New York, or actually my second time living here, so I lived here a couple different times, uh, he had a band, a downtown New York uh, band that played a lot at a club called New Blue, which has reopened in a different location, but they were called Kudu. And they were pretty prolific uh, during, you know, early, mid-2000s, uh, and it was actually did some pretty like progressive cool stuff that um, is pretty fun to look back at because it was of a certain era and the thing is with D'Anthony though he has existed as a uh, entity amongst groups of varying genres um, 
for quite a while now. So knowing that my origin to him was through Kudo, but that he was a touring and recording member of uh, Mars Volta and many projects with uh, Omar from from Mars Volta. They founded Bosnian Rainbows together and did a bunch of stuff on GSL and on Omar's other label as well. So yeah, that's the thing with DeAntoni. Uh, there's so many reference points that uh, it's pretty remarkable when you start talking to the guy. So fans of his musical output are definitely in for a treat with this conversation. And if you're not hip to him at all, if you're just coming across this because you are a subscriber to The Houseless, then hopefully we put you up on something kind of cool. You can find his music most directly. You can get it from him directly at deantony.bandcamp.com. So D-E-A-N-T-O-I-N-I. And uh, oh no, I, I totally butchered that. But uh, yeah, you know what it is. Just find it. You, I've just typed it out. You, if you're if you're listening right now, then you know how to spell his name. You know what I'm saying? So find it on Bandcamp. You know, I started working with him as his agent a few years ago through Matthew David's great great record label leaving records which had released uh an incredible kind of solo uh sophomore album really from danny called techno self which we've been touring and doing shows around for the last uh year or two and when he plays solo it's a pretty remarkable study of sort of rhythm and patterns it's like extremely hypnotic stuff um and he's just up there just wailing and uh it's it's dope um, I think it, it hits on so many different reference points too, like depending on where you're coming from, like taste wise with music and shit. So anyway, we're going to get into this conversation with my man, DeAntony Parks. Uh, he was in the middle of his residency here in New York with John Cale, the iconic, you know, co-founder of the Velvet Underground. And uh, so I think we got a good taste of his story and process and yo, listen, I appreciate it. If you're listening, thank you. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, uh, thanks so much. I do it once a week. Try to subscribe if you can or, or tell a friend about it. You know, spread the word. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at HouselessPod for any updates with the show. And uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, of course, is a great way. If you're on SoundCloud, please repost this conversation. It's an easy way to spread the word. This is a word of mouth thing. It's not sponsored or produced by any larger corporate entity. So it's all me. I book and record all the conversations. Every conversation is on face to face on this very microphone that I uh, am recording this intro. Tascam. If anyone works at Tascam, Please uh, holler at me. I'll give you fire sale rates on any advertising here on the podcast because I use your product constantly. So yeah. Anyway, let's get into this conversation with the one and only DeAntony Parks here on the House List. You're here in New York, uh, and obviously I want to talk about the, the show because I think I mean you're in the midst of it. You know, you're like literally in the middle of this run shows with John Cale, and uh, but. You lived in New York for quite a while, too, right? I did. I'm not here anymore, but, I mean, you kind of held down the city for, like, what, a decade? I was here for at least a decade. What was um, uh, actual proof? Uh, actual proof? What was that? Do you remember this? That was, a, that was a Herbie Hancock piece. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, but... Uh, <laughs> was, this the, was that the first thing here in New York for you? 
Uh, let's see. What was the first thing in New York? I think the first thing in New York for me was in 94. Okay. When I came, uh, I was in what was called the the Olympic marching band. And we were the, the marching band for the Olympics when they came in 96. Oh, right? no way. Really? So in 94, we came up to do a Thanksgiving Day parade. And it wow. was my first trip to New York. And it was like a kid... I mean, it's just if you're from Atlanta or yeah. from anywhere else right. in the world, <laughs> you you know you want to go to New York, right? Yeah. So I was on chartered buses, police escorted. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. like into New York, my first time. So I kind of felt I'm gonna have a deep connection with this place because you got to <laughs> think if that's your first date with right. someone, then that's it's hidden. Yeah, that's quite a first impression. <laughs> it's going to be there forever. So Right. So, and you guys then obviously played at the Olympics as well? Oh, yes. And we, yeah, we wow. stayed together. And that was, uh, it was a, we ran from the music department at Georgia Tech, uh-huh. um, which also is a connection that led me to something else a lot, a lot later. Okay. Um, but that was all there. Um, yeah. That all started there. Amazing. So, but this is like what? Um High school or something? Oh, yeah. Like I was in yeah. high school, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you grew up in Georgia? Yes. Um, what was that like? How was that? Because, I, I mean, I'm from the South, too. Yeah, Virginia. yeah, you are, yeah, yeah. Not, at, you know, Georgia and Virginia. It's all this, you know, pretty South, much the same. Yeah, Southern Virginia, so it's yeah. basically the same. Yeah, space, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it was, you know, I had a, a lot of space. <laughs> right. Uh, I was very, uh, you know, it's just whole different, like, the social dynamic is very unique. <laughs> so when did you start drumming? Um, around two or three. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I started very young, like a lot of people do. Right. Um, but, yeah, I took it pretty serious right away, though. At, like, four, I was reading music and taking uh, lessons from a great teacher, Doug Moore. Uh-huh. He's fantastic. So jazz was the, was it jazz or was it rock? Um, well, first was just kind of more classical snare and percussion, right? And uh, and, and reading and modes and scales and uh, playing different instruments. I mean, you know, playing marimba, piano. Right. So maybe <clears throat> perhaps let me backtrack. That might have been a little crass of me to just toss out two giant genres. Like, it's oh, like yeah. obviously, if you're being like, it's like you know, with a teacher and you're classically being taught to, then it's a lot more, uh, you know intellectual oh yeah yeah from right away right 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 away and my uh you know my drum teacher was also a multi-instrumentalist who was also you know played brass and woodwind i mean i didn't take it that far i just left it i mean i just stay within the percussion world but within that is uh it's is all I needed. Yeah, because it's interesting, you know, from the way that we've, we've been working, like as far as the live show thing, and the sort of world in which I identify you in is, you know, in a kind of particular um, avant-garde, uh, sort of post-electronic, um, you know, post-rock type of thing, but that's clearly probably just one little sort of side of like if you've been drumming since you know adolescence or childhood you know you kind of work your way through over the years obviously genres and and your own tastes evolve and change and shit right Mm -hmm. like um 
Yeah, because even looking at the people that I know you've worked with, it's a pretty mixed bag of stuff, too. It'll show you exactly where you, the right. points you're hitting, right? You know, the frequencies that you're hitting. It's the people that come to you. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first time I actually knew of your work was with Kudu. Because when I first moved to New York, I moved to New York in the late 90s for a very brief period of time. And I went to the West Coast and I came back in 2005. And at that time, 05, 06, seven like was a very particular um time for music in new york city things were still a lot of stuff was still happening in lower manhattan that that would later kind of like sort of either totally disperse or move to brooklyn or whatever true so <clears throat> good time here. yeah absolutely yeah and there were some great moments in like you know like broken beat and um sort of like you know, new jazz and stuff like that, and funk. Um, so yeah, that's how I kind of came about because Kudu was sort of like a big um, downtown kind of band. You know, Brooklyn and downtown, like Lower East Side, oh, yeah. East Village. Oh, yeah. So what was the story with that group? I oh, mean, that group was that, that was my my favorite group if I've ever had uh -huh. a favorite uh, group. Well, I mean, I had a lot to do with it, but um, it's just. I've always wanted to have my own band. Right. Um, since I have been playing for so long, I, you can imagine I've been in thousands. I mean, just so really? many. Like, I mean, just yeah. too many to remember. Um, but it was never, <clears throat> it was never right. You know, it was never uh, uh, because now you're dealing with chemistry. I mean, now you right. have to like go for what actually is going to make this organism function the best. Right. Because you, you, you were producing the music as well, right? Yeah. That's a, you know, I was like, uh, you know, writing lots of it. Uh, also, Sylvia Gordon uh, was writing and, you know. The singer, the vocalist, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, early on uh, in Kudu, it was, you know, my Syl Sylvia and, and me and then, uh, you know, there's Peter Stolzman, uh, amazing artist. Um, you know, um, and then, you know, it evolved and we even had uh, James Hurt come in. We played a lot with James Hurt, another amazing artist. And then, uh, you know, and then uh, and then I guess later at the really the peak of the band was just trio. It was just right. Sylvia, myself and Nikki Casper. Oh, that's who right. I'm now, you know, in, in, a, in a company with. Right, right. Called We Are Dark Angels. So. Oh yeah, that's right. So it's all deep rooted. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like when 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 Nikki came in, he brought an aesthetic that was, he was almost like it was like John coming to the Velvet Underground. I right. mean, it was kind of like that. I mean, it's not obviously on that scale. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when someone yeah comes into an already established group, just to make it make sense. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. He, he so came yeah, in. I forgot about that. Nikki and you actually did that the score, the soundtrack to yes, um, Dog Eat Dog. That's right. Yeah. Dope. I mean, that's a quite an accomplishment in itself too I mean and you see the lineage now like yeah interesting know, like I see all the long lines right so who pulled sense. whom into the into the film how did that come about um that was uh, Dina Juntilla okay you know she's an amazing uh, music supervisor mm -hmm. uh, she's worked with Cassavetti's family uh, and a few others but she's she just has amazing taste and she has an expansive uh, library of mm -hmm of great film music um, so you can't really sneak anything by her and if she likes one of your pieces one of your original pieces 
you can consider that like you know a success right, right. Um, so she was super you know, she was high on us yeah. and she believed in us right. so um, as she heard some of uh, the work we did with David Holmes you know uh, yeah David Holmes and some of those films and and she'd heard other things that I'd done with under other people, but right, right, um, and the, but recognized it, you know, right away. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you're a pretty prolific dude, and uh, worked with, you know, a lot of people. It comes around if you stay consistent, you know. Um, at least how 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 it feels like to me. Again, though. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I have a certain snapshot of what your career is like. There's a lot. I like to try to fill in the blanks a little bit too. Yeah. Because we sure. work like a very specific thing. I mean, it started with techno self, and it still kind of revolves around that that repertoire of music. Right. right? Would you say so? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the new. Uh, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. But the thing is, you exist like as a solo guy, and that's that's my way of identifying you. But you know, even in between that, it's like coming out of say. All the stuff that you did with Omar, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and into now what you're doing with John. I mean, mm -hmm. they're anchored by like two, you know, pretty like prominent forces of two kind of different styles of music, you know. Oh, totally different, right? Yeah, but, I'd love to talk about um, the Mars Volta stuff for a little bit too. Let's because do it. It's it's mostly centered because you and Omar did a bunch of shit after that too, right? I mean, we did a ton. Listen, yeah. I, those guys, they're, they're very special. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and the lineage of the drummers that performed in that group, it's, I think it's really just three. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't, that's the only reason why I didn't want to play with them because I, right. I didn't want to be compared to any of their previous drummers. And I well, know that it's a people really, uh, you know, I didn't want to even get in the fans' psyche like that and, and, yeah, their fans and, and are ruin pretty, it and ruin it right. or like you know disappoint them in any way because uh, you know so yeah, that, that was my only thing about well, that, yeah and that's a respectful uh, approach yeah. that's a that's but, a mature way to look at but it but everything too. else was, uh, was was really a great experience I mean obviously just getting to meet Omar and Cedric and you know Marcel and right. uh, Juan I mean these they just became we were friends like right away. I mean, or I treated them that way. I was like, "Oh, we're family now." You yeah. know what I mean? And in in particular with with Omar, it was just right uh, like a write off. I was like, "If I don't if I don't even do this, if I don't do this 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 performance with you guys, and we're still gonna talk." You know? Right, right. So yeah, that that was the. I mean, stylistically know. though, you, I mean, you are your own entity compared to you know i love john theodore that's a homie like and i worked with him when he he used to drum for a very brief period of time with dame funk and uh, yeah we did a whole year of touring together that's with john awesome. theodore as a drummer yeah which was pretty amazing because the cool. previous one j uh, one was our very close friend he passed away and john stepped in wow. and those guys you couldn't imagine two, to hear that yeah it was a tragic loss and but um but John really came in at a very important period of time. They played; they couldn't have played any more differently. They were totally different stylistically. Their kits were different, oh, and um, but it was it opened up a whole different uh, style for Dame, who's you know kind of a master improv guy on stage too. Right, that's true. So I can only imagine. Now I'm just riffing off this. I could be I could be wrong. I would think that a group like Mars Volta, you know, um, that has such a 
you know, rabid fan base to a really faithful group of people that like being able to step in there. Cause I think the record that you guys, did was the last one that they, mm-hmm. the most yeah, recent yeah. one that they put out. That's right. Nocturne. Yeah. 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 So just to have like a different looking at it from a different perspective is for them, it's gotta be a kind of freeing and kind of interesting experiment too like yeah is that an accurate like way that it perhaps yeah, was made I felt like uh, I mean that's kind of was you know a part of the result for sure I mean uh, I mean I mean Cedric was calling it future punk and I mean I, I felt Dope. like they were pretty supportive of it and and you know Omar kind of bent it seems like he bent it to work for me because mm. Omar you know already knew me well and kind of knew my background and and they're actually into the same things I was into like with with Kudu all the all the breaking broken and oh work? You know, all okay. that stuff they were into all that so right. I, you know and of course they're into John Cale you know we all have the same interests right. right right come to find out how did you guys meet you and Omar um we met i think uh, Juan played on a John Cale record, or, or did a session with John, or so, something, uh, something like that. And I think they fig- like figured out I was on the record or something. Oh, so you had already, like so that. you had already been working with John, uh, John oh, Cale. No, I worked with John since '03. Oh wow, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I man. was on. Uh, I even did a live record with him that we uh, recorded at the Paradiso. Amazing, uh, So it was, yeah. Uh, it, it was a while, yeah. But I, I didn't know that they were also into John like that. Right, right. They were major fans. So, how steeped are you in his solo shit, Johns? So I've been trying to like get immerse myself in it. Yeah, I can, I need to make. Uh, I need to just make a list for you. Yeah, I need for myself as well. Just to I see mean, his solo career is obviously extremely prolific. I mean. Um, he's not. He's not really playing around right now. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> what? So okay. So that clearly your relationship with him and working with him is like a giant part of your it's career. Huge. I mean, it's, yeah. He's probably worked with him more than anyone. I think at this point. Yeah. Amazing. What's it like to travel with him? To tour with him? Um. It's very. Uh, you're, you're always in the music. I mean, it's yeah. If you're around him, it's there's not much. Uh, if if there's small talk is intelligent and mm-hmm. and you may have to recall a piece of an arrangement that we're working on at any given moment if he's around so right. if, if you're sitting close to him you kind of just like anticipating like mm-hmm. I gotta be you have to be on on I mean I don't know I've worked with many artists but never a true uh uh, po- polymath, I would say. Interesting. Um, right, so right, right. Uh, yeah, so it's it's had a huge effect on me, a, a bigger effect so. than I could prepare for. Right. I mean, that <clears throat> sounds like you know that takes serious discipline and uh, concentration. And you know, it's weird because I have all the parts that it takes to absorb that kind of energy. Yeah, but you're such a loose, like, chill dude. I don't, like, the guy I know is, like, I mean, I can I can see. Now, I have, unfortunately, I have yet to see you guys play. So yeah. I, I'm, but I'm sure on stage, I mean, you, you're completely in a zone. Um, right. Yeah, 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 it's a whole. Yeah. It's a meditation, for sure. Like, okay, so with the stuff that's happening at BAM right now, like, I mean, you're one, two shows in? 
uh, we had one the first show last night. Amazing. Okay. VU fiftieth, uh, and then tonight's gonna be the second and last VU show, and then tomorrow night we're celebrating John's birthday. Oh shit! Seventy fifth. Wow. Man. So who's who's a cooler seventy five birthday like goer out there? Right. <laughs> Wait, you were in the Velvet Underground, and you're like you know seventy five, and you're playing a fiftieth anniversary show of your solo work. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna give you guys the VU, but I'm gonna flip it. And the third night, I'm going to give you my solo shit. <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> yeah. you're bringing my repertoire, you know. So what how, What was last night? What, what um, was last like night, you? I was playing. And you never think when you hear these songs, right. you hear about the legend. You never think you're going to play Sunday Morning or yeah. play Venus and Furs. And we, f- I, f- I flipped it so hard, like the, the that percussion uh, part on Venus and Furs. I can't wait for you to check that out <laughs> so really it's i kind of just want to put it up on like you know world star or something it's just so good you know how so how does it work with the guests because there's tons of like you know it's funny even here at the hotel like it's like almost like being at south by southwest or something like that i'm like oh shit there's animal collective and there's john dwyer um and uh you know these are like you know all extremely established headline you know prolific guys in their own right artists um so what is the energy like that on on stage like how does everyone's work? super sweet i mean most most of them know each other because right. it is a, the music world is a small world especially mm-hmm. the you know that end of it and uh it's just uh everyone's cool and they if they're not you know and they're not accustomed to being around John, so right. it's nice to see other, you know, see him interact with everyone, and he's yeah. so good at directing, and you know, just a master. I mean, it's just every, it's just everyone likes to watch him work. Right, I would think so. I mean, these are all like kind of people that produce their own records too. They're front yeah. front people in their own groups. This I mean, is... Kurt Vile and like these people like. They're, they're their own great songwriters too, you know. And it stems from that a piece of that energy, right? That, that John is was at the epicenter of. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a trip, man. I mean, to be and you're the only. Are you the only percussionist on stage? Is there multiple? There's not multiple drummers, right? No. Amazing. No. So you're anchoring this whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you? <laughs> Do you feel like is it? Do you have it completely under control? Like is it like a I control have to. thing? I can't yeah. like you can't imagine the stress I put on myself. Sure. It's like uh, you know, uh, it's just just for John. I mean, you just don't want to let him down in of any course, way, and he's not missing a thing. He's right. hearing everything. Right. Unfortunately. Do you <laughs> so, guys communicate on stage? Yeah, we're the yeah. main. Is there's. Yeah, we have to be. Is he looking at you? Yes, like I mean, we're communicating quite Don't. a bit because he's changing things on 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 site you know, depending on how he's feeling. Wow. So sure, we'll have an arrangement, but you also he you have to understand like real it's happening in real time, right. and that is the ultimate respect. That's had uh, a pro- profound impact on what I'm, who I am, and what right. I'm doing. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, that's like every night is like a kind of mind blowing experience. Just, too. I don't, yeah, I don't think a lot of people kind of understand. It must be like, I mean, how does it feel? I mean, obviously, you just did the one yesterday, but you've been touring with them for years mm-hmm. too. 
but I mean, obviously, these the Velvet Underground shows are extremely special. Like, how is that? Like, how did you feel when you got off stage last night? Oh, would have been high as hell. Yeah, I was definitely kind of just felt connected to the spirit mm-hmm. of these artists, you know. Of course, and, you know, like uh, which is already heavy but <laughs> yeah you, you feel it i mean plus being here in new york playing right. these pieces and with john you know john has that energy with him because they right. were all around him right yeah. you know andy like lou and nico and right you know just sterling like the this whole thing and all the other people surrounding the factory and um yeah so that and that energy is something i've been really zeroing like you know pinpointing and attacking and going for and yeah. that's how I ended up kind of even meet, meeting Michael Holman right um, and I had the pleasure of introducing Michael Holman to John Cale because they never met oh, wow. so things like that would, yeah. would can you know are just the byproducts of this focus with John it's just all about me and him like you know yeah because yeah so there's a lot to hold down I mean it's a lot of people and I mean just doing like run 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 with like 10 12 people or whatever yeah but that's got to be um super rewarding in a way too to be like have a level of control and something in an ensemble of that size doing something as impactful as that kind of music I mean oh yeah it's such a rare opportunity it's it's super rare and I'm also paying tribute to you know one of the greatest rock drummers ever and that's Mo Tucker right I mean those her beats are very iconic I mean they're (laughs) they're just kind of yeah they're kind of everything they're like huge towers of of rhythms just that floor tom and and and, you know tambourine hi-hat like very strong who so. did you did you study drummers pretty intently like as a kid like when you were learning like or was it uh, oh you know not until later you right. know I didn't really study drummers until I was around people that were into that culture because I don't think you have to look anywhere else really um, to find something interesting you know on yourself I felt like I was doing more interesting things when I wasn't listening to anyone else yeah, of course. Yeah, because subconsciously you're, you know, you're. Being and then you start affected. thinking too much, right. or so-called thinking. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a subconscious, um, you know, emulation because it's like it's set into your psyche somehow unconsciously. I don't know. I mean, things get on autopilot in there. You got to go in and set the settings and. Yeah, for sure. Turn off. The- <laughs> yeah, I mean, the mind is a pretty amazing thing, especially when it comes to drumming. And I'm not, I'm by no means a drummer, but the level where you have to be conscious of a lot of different things all at once simultaneously as well as kind of whether you're i guess it depends on the style but um yeah i just find it fascinating i mean but i guess it's interesting in that there is a culture to to like you know being a drummer and knowing all the drummers and like and knowing the rock drummers as opposed to the, you know the yeah. jazz drummers and shit and oh for sure that that is a, a culture that I'm not really a part of oh interesting it's like the whole you know I'm endorsed right I'm endorsed by a drum company right so yeah you know I'm so, like, so I'm cool or like right. I need this company like, you don't need that company what do you mean right that's yeah. what I love about the techno self stuff that the shows that we are able to do is that the setup is so minimal. It's almost like non-existent, you know? 
and that it's like this sort of study of like repetition but that builds and builds to some other kind of like you know wavelength that's going on where i think a lot of it is it's totally subjective to the person that's like that's engaging with it like when they're watching the show you know i you know we had a show here in brooklyn a few days back and mm-hmm. and uh, anytime i see you play <clears throat> your headline shit I always try to like observe the other people in the crowd to kind of get a read of how totally. they're mm-hmm. what how they're feeling this because yeah. it's a very particular style of music mm-hmm. too and to watch a solo drummer um, you know produce a show uh, it's you know and one person can't do the same set I mean I'm uh, it's like uh, if someone else couldn't really emulate what you're doing there you know right <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know? That's, and that's what's so fun about right. it right so how where did that come out how did that idea come out for you to um, just do the solo shit from just... years of collaborating i right. was like always and then uh when i started doing uh the the right hand keyboard or left uh, mm-hmm. but just bringing in those those fresh palettes to the kit because i still love those original everyone loves like acoustic drum sounds right um, but we also love electronics, so the samples just kind of give it that electronic kind of edge, but also with organic yeah. sounds, you know. Yeah, especially in the way you use the the rim too. With like, it's just such a classic. It's yeah. I feel like if it, it you know it's breaks, it's like exactly that's all it is. Yeah, you know it's, I mean? yeah, it's it like breaks. next level breaks. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I, uh, so with other, you know, I'm trying to think. Obviously, I'm not really going off. I didn't prepare much, but uh, as far as oh, your career you know. goes, yeah. yeah. But I, there's I mean, certain. I can, let me help you here. Well, I want. I'd love to know about the stuff with Shade. There's something you did something with her, right? Something, oh, Shade. Something. Oh, because uh, Stuart Matthewman mm-hmm. is was you know always so very supportive of me here in New York. I mean, okay. he was. Stuart was one of my like anchors here, okay, and be is is basically family, you know, and um, he always he's always working on cool projects. He always, you know, had me over and we talk, you know, we talk and just a great person. And and eventually it was like, you know, this is you know Shade is doing this run on, on TV. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna be, you know great if you can do it because you know we we need that like it needed a particular thing oh like the snare piece that they really needed to mm. get nailed mm-hmm. and uh so they they called me in in a plus in, in addition to her band so i wasn't playing um drums on this you know particular thing although i could have played both parts easily um but that you know that was what he wanted me to do and i was like of course i'll do whatever you want and so that was you know David Letterman, Ellen, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, we did all that that whole run. And you were just that was freaking it. the snare? and that was Yeah, it. I, did, I had this very specific uh, snare part that she wanted because mm. um, she's very specific. And, <laughs> I would think so. Yeah, and like everything had to, I mean, I, you know, I showed her the chart, you know. <laughs> At one point, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is it right here." <laughs> did she could she read it? I mean, did she obviously? Yeah. Probably... Oh well, she just you know, I I I had to prove a point or something or. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, and then yeah, and I was like, yeah, I wrote it out. This is what I'm playing right. every single time. <laughs> that's what it is. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that I mean, so but that's because of Stewart. Stewart for got sure. me in there. Stewart, you know, he he loved Kudu, so right. 
just interesting. He's okay. one of the people that you know uh, were very supportive during that time. How much touring did you do with Mars Volta? Did you do a little bit around that album, or? Uh, oh yeah, we we, yeah. we toured. It wasn't that much, right? I toured more with them before that album, actually, when I wasn't. Oh, I see. Um, and the you know like. Uh, yeah, when I wasn't in the group, so it was a little. How much time before uh, that record came out were you you joined as a touring drummer? First? Um, yeah, exactly. I was gotcha. Exactly. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Exactly. Um, and then from there, I mean, from the Mars Volta, we jumped in. You know, me and Omar just went crazy. You know. Yeah. And well, first with his home. solo band, with his band. Yeah, I was right? playing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, technically, I was playing with Omar's solo project first. Ah, okay. Before the Volta, you know. Did you play in El Paso? Um, oh yeah, we did a festival there. So yeah, it's tight. That must have gone off. I mean, I filled in for like uh, a drummer. They had some, some issue with someone, mm-hmm. and they were uh, on that Red Hot Chili Pepper run. So right. I did. That's the first, very first thing I did wow. with them. And then, then I started doing like Omar solo stuff. So was that stadiums and shit then, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I was still, you know, I was playing with John at the time, right. so I could uh, only do like a, a few weeks or whatever but right. I went ahead and did it with them um, and, uh, and and then I had to go back to John and and then uh, yeah so you've just been touring this whole time just going back and forth between projects yeah, I mean it's a lot of that was was tour- yeah it's amazing yeah it's crazy um, lots of planes yeah and you, I mean all over the globe too right and then you know and Someone who came last night was uh, Chris Bruce and Michelle and Degiocello, who yes. was also a huge family <laughs> member. And right, you played. I mean, you toured with her too, right? Yeah, that was you know before the Volta. That was before John. Oh, interesting. Okay. Or you know, or or after, or before and <laughs> after. It's like they all overlap now. Right. But she is, you know. She came last night. She actually played a show with with us, with John, and us in like Melbourne or Dope. yeah, like uh, the music festival there. Right. Um, but she's like one of my favorites ever. I mean, so what was that ensemble like? Was it another big band? Like I would assume. She oh yeah, have I mean, a ton uh, of usually Chris Bruce and uh, Jeb and Bruni. I mean, just you know herself. Of course. <laughs> like, crazy um <clears throat> so going into just like your solo shit too i mean and you know feel free to interject too because i'm just trying to get a sense of it i mean now because uh i've always we've never really had a chance to sit down like this and like me drill you about like your your past but it's like it gives me a lot of context for no we need to do it anyway yeah so the whole thing with like leaving records and Matthew David and Techno Self, it's like such a different kind of uh, part of your world. So how did that even? How did you connect with the, with with Matthew and like? Oh, that's actually how we know we truly know each other. We know each other. Matthew yes. David, and that would be uh, Carlos Nino. Oh, cool. So he uh, he's booked Kudu right back oh. in the day. He got us oh. out to L.A. Um, he's just been there through everything. I mean, mm-hmm. Miles and Rainbow started. That's right. Right after we did a show at uh, his spot in Venice. Yeah, the townhouse right? place. Townhouse. Yeah. Yes. So we did. We did a We Are Dark Angels show, and he was like, "You should feature Omar here." I mean, you know, because we were just gonna do a full on We Are Dark Angels experience, you know, but just me and Nikki. 
Right. He was like, you guys should probably, you know, because he's just thinking out of the box. Right. He's like, this is who, this is where you are. Like, you have, you know, these are your, the people you're working with. Right. You know, and invite them. So we're like, yeah, well, you know, we'll see. We know Omar doesn't do many things outside of what he's doing because he's doing so much. So we're not going to yeah. think to ask him. His world is pretty involved. It's very involved. Right. And, you know, I have so much respect for, for that. And for oh, him. yeah. I mean, and just, you know, a side note, too, just the output that GSL had as a label was just like phenomenal too, you know, just every record sort of being this totally weird, wild, like different thing from the last. And that, and he did, what was it? He did like wow. 10 albums at once or something like that, right? Or something along those lines. Do you play on those? Oh, that, that run where right. he just released like, yeah. Didn't he release like 20 some albums? Yeah. Yeah. I played on a lot of those. Yeah. Yes. So what's your guys dynamic like? We're just, that's my brother, man. He's, you know, Omar's, he's done a lot for me. Right. You know, like, he's just been, like, a real person. And, like, in, in that time period when I was really, like, trying to, like, get Kudu out there. And, right. Like, you know, this, you know, he offered something. I mean, he just, he just showed up and, like, showed out and I don't even know how else to say it but yeah he was a real person yeah and and, uh, and obviously very gifted and thoughtful and right. thinking and you know what I mean so those are the kind of things that I mean I was used to that with John I mean that's kind of the level of people that I kind of need right I can't even have anything less than that and I had I had that in Kudu Right. You know, uh, with Nikki and Sylvia, they're they're robust artists. Right, right. That are better than, <laughs> I mean, just just a different level. Um, right. And so there's a you know uh, same with M Michelle, and then so you start to see like these flags of oh okay. What was that? You did some shit with Flying Lotus too, right? Some yeah, shows. I was on. Uh, um, I was on the You're Dead record. Oh. Like, I'm on that single with uh, Kendrick Lamar. It's, like, one of my favorite tracks on that. Dope. I didn't um, know that. But, uh, and I'm on a couple other tracks on that, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, Steve, is, he's, he's, been, he's just been awesome to and me. And he pulls you in, and he's just like, yo, I want you to yeah, drum on this. I didn't even know. I mean, I, I ended up at his house at some party once, and I didn't think he, <clears throat> I didn't think he knew who I was. You know, I just right. didn't. I don't know, but um, yeah, he let me know. <laughs> and then he's <laughs> like, "Yeah, you're gonna be on these records, you know." So, so anytime I'm in LA, I hit him. Again, it's that whole. These are like, I, I could just hang with these people. These are just people I can hang with. Right, so right. that that little, I mean, I think they do know, but that's kind of what I need it to be. Right, absolutely. Especially for a guy that's constantly traveling and touring and like you're in a different country, like constantly yeah. moving around. I would think that, you know, the friends that you do have, it's like you kind of, you know, it takes a minute, especially for musicians, you know, to kind of be on the same like level of engagement, you know, with your art and shit, you know. Yeah. Because so you don't have a lot of free time, right? I mean, exactly. Like, so it, may, it does. It does work out to be like that, and, I, right. I, mean, and I, I hear myself telling other people, like, yeah, I'm so lucky to, that these people I like working with are like my family, and then they're like, well, they better be, because that's your life, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So, so that is why that, that energy is there, but 
Right. Regardless of why, I'm glad it. I'm glad it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I've been very fortunate with that that people care a little deeper. Yeah, man. So, so what's this? Okay, so going into the new year, you know, we got because you know uh, this shit with John is going to continue on as far as touring, and I don't mean to put it in those terms, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as this job with him, your oh, yeah, commitment is, to him, it's a uh, yeah. It's you're 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 in it. Right? I'm in it. That's that's whatever he wants. I'll be able to do. So what else are you working on for yourself, though? Um, I got this George Michael tribute. Okay. So um, what's that? What's that all about? That's just uh, you know just showing love to to, to the spirit and yeah. aura of him. Uh, I know. Which I think An amazing is, artist is cool to do. I, I think, think that's so a too. cool gesture. So. Um, and the, the record is called St. George Michael, and it's uh, going to be coming out on a record on a label called Elite Records. Okay, yeah. And out of uh, out of Hamburg. Dope. Okay. And uh, they've already released, uh, re-released Touch But Don't Look. Oh, yes, that's, which is your great debut job. album, right? Yeah, yeah. and that, I originally released that with Omar. And uh, yeah, so they they've been great, and they're and they're down to roll. They're like, whatever you want to release, let's plan it, let's go. Cool. Cool, cool. So very cool. Yeah. So tell me though, what are the songs like? Are you just are they refreaks or what? Yeah, I'm gonna play you a little bit right after this. Cool. Uh, unfortunately, we can't just play it live for the. No, we can set some up later. But uh, yeah, and I might you know I you know in the intro and the outro of my show, I like to play a little bit of music. Maybe I can splash one of those out in the outro or something. I like think that. we can work some up. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. We'll put an outtake up. Yeah, yes, for sure. <laughs> and what else? Like, what else are you working on right now? Um, well, We Are Dark Angels is, uh, we're going to put, uh, we have, we released a, a digital album called Look This. Okay. Um, but we're going to release that on vinyl um, so. ASAP. And probably um, through that new situation I mentioned earlier, um, which would be great, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, that record is, it's going to be good for people to license out and use for film. And, right. You know, it's basically the pre uh the, the precursor to our original soundtrack, which yeah. is available right now. So, um, how is um, Paul Schrader? Like, did you spend any time with him over the course of the making the 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 music? You know. Oh yeah, yeah. We had to meet with him every day. No way. Or it was like a you know we had to meet in the office when he you know and cool. be close by. Yeah. Um and yeah and just basically go through it. That Paul is so so uh, detailed about everything. Uh, of course, the music as well. Were you watching scenes? Were you playing the scenes? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, we yeah. had to. I mean, we were. We would sit and go through scenes with him, and then go to the studio and right. handle it, and then come back the next day with the cues right. to then play for him. You know, so wow. that was the. I mean, and Nick and I work very quickly. That's our. That's our whole thing. I mean, that's. It's useful in today's. Uh, you know. Pace. Well, even with the shows that we do, I mean, the fact that it's so minimal and so, like, yet so involved artistically, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of amazing how, like, you can just sort of, you know, like, saunter into a room and uh, jump on stage and then immediately get into this, like, extremely heady, like, uh, yes. uh, stuff as though it's just, like, turning on a this light on switch. Yeah. Stream. Yeah. Definitely. I dig it, man. I mean... And uh, the fact that we could just, you know, catch up real quick in, be- in between these, like, you know, pretty oh, legendary these shows. These monster shows. Yeah. I mean, How are you know, feeling For me right personally, now? yeah, it's just kind of like cloud nine level. Yeah. I just, you know, I like, uh, I just, that boom of art that happened in New York is just still 
it's still radiating, you know? Yeah, you can still access it, you know? Like yesterday, I, I did another, I recorded a conversation with um, an amazing actress and musician, um, Esther Ballant, who's, cool. yeah, who was in Stranger Than Paradise mm-hmm. and Trees Lounge. But her parents, uh, you know, had this place called Squat Theater, which was like in the late 70s, early 80s, was like a kind of uh, hub for like um, experimental theater and music um, kind of for a period of time mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, the house bands were Sun Ra, DNA, and Kid Creole and the Coconuts, you know, wow. uh, and they would kind of rotate over this period of time. So, and I don't doubt that John Cale went to that. You should ask him if you've seen him, like, <laughs> if he remembers the Squat Theater. Wow. And just that, like, it, that, you know, I was born in 79, so, and I didn't come to New York until much, much later, so I, I wasn't able to personally access that stuff. Yeah. But it's still, even though the, I feel like the, the canvas of the city is is altering and the the... The texture is getting a little flattened out a little bit, you know, as far as culturally and the soul. But it's not too difficult to still access. No, it's still here. I mean, I think that's just more laziness than anything else. Right. Yeah. I do feel that. Right. Not for me, but... No, you're not lazy at all. I feel like, yeah, there's a general, like, malaise in society anyway where it's like... Oh, yeah, it's all... A little, a little glazed over. Some people are like, you know, and plus, it's why wouldn't it be? It's intimidating, right? It's just the the pressure is just too. It's like makes you just want to give up. I mean, it's like what? I think a lot of people cool. are in the process, and I, and I don't get mad. I'm not mad at those people. I don't, right. I'm I try to like worship those people. <laughs> they should, you know, they're right. the, they're the real leaders. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But until then, I mean, you're doing your thing, and I and I, I love what you do, man, and I love being able to work with you on this stuff too. So, and that you can take a little bit of time to do this conversation with me is, is cool. So good looking out, honored. Yeah, much continued success. You know, you've been doing it. I mean, not a lot of people can say that they've done and moved in the circles that you have. So it's it's pretty amazing, you know, to take stock in that. You know, so exactly. Yeah, I think it's, it's the only thing I invested. In. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Yes, that was my conversation with DeAnthony Parks. Only here on the House List podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, y'all. iTunes, rate it on iTunes if you can. Uh, repost it on SoundCloud. Uh, go cop uh, DeAnthony's music directly from him on Bandcamp.com. DeAnthony.Bandcamp.com. If you haven't got that Leaving Records album, Techno Self, please do that. And you know he has a special um, George Michael joint uh kind of remix edit thing so i'm gonna splash out a little bit of that just as a little taste i know it's coming out uh midwinter so i don't want to say any dates but i'm sure you can go back to that Bandcamp page soon enough and it will be there definitely cop that and um just support this guy he's an incredible visionary artist he's got so many amazing ideas and is able to accomplish a lot within a whole sphere of different genres of music. So this is a guy to um, discover and support, you know, uh, and another progressive innovator that we've had here only on the house list with your host, me, Peter Agostin. Every episode is edited and engineered by CJ Stewart. Follow us on Twitter at HouselessPod and help us get the word out. Let's spread the word out. Been doing this now for well over a year. Um, and delivering you compelling, one-of-a-kind, personal, candid conversations with artists and people in the music industry 
These are all people I know and work with and have stories with, and some I don't. So you're always going to get something unique and interesting, all produced and booked by me, your host. Thanks. I will catch you guys next time. Enjoy the vibes on this new D'Antoni. Join them in a play right now, and I'll catch you guys next show. All right, peace out.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.